All rise for the Honorable Tracy Phillips and Mike Martini. Now, tonight we're going to be breaking down Season 2, Episode 7 of The Lincoln Lawyer. But before that, we got some really good news this past week, which might not be news for everybody else that keeps in touch with uh, Lincoln Lawyer Lounge and Twitter and Netflix and everything. But we got some good news this week that uh, Netflix renewed the Lincoln Lawyer for a third season, which will be based off of The Gods of Guilt, the fifth novel featuring Mickey Holler. So excited. Uh, I know. Was... It was wonderful news. I'm so happy <laughs> to hear that. Um, and I am I am so happy that we're getting more episodes of Holler and Associates mm-hmm. and wish that the whole cast and crew all the best when they're able to start back up the pre-production and production work. All their hard work and dedication is seen in each episode and the fans. And we at so many shows thank everyone involved with the show. Absolutely. All right. With that out of the way, let's get into the episode breakdown, shall we? Let's do (laughs) it. Uh, This one's written by Lisa Cantella and directed by Shanna Stein. And it's titled Qui Bono. It's the eve of, of Lisa's trial, but we see something going on the night before. We see someone in an office. There's someone like pulling a file, making a copy. We never see a face. We just mm-hmm. see in, some arms and hands going through a file, making copy, putting it nicely in an envelope. And then when Mickey drives home that evening in his lovely convertible, looking very handsome, driving, by the way, pulls into his driveway and there's something at his door. So... We make the leap that it was whatever this person was document, this person was handling is now on his doorstep. Yep. Well, the only thing that we get from that opening scene is that the guy that's taking the file and copying it Mm -hmm. is wearing a a watch with a green face plate. Mm -hmm. It's a little unique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little unique. And like you said, we never see the guy's face. I think I wrote down mysterious is the best word to kind of. Yeah. Implement this. But I was also thinking to myself that uh, earlier this in the season, Cisco was telling Dean Wheaton, I believe, Lorna's old professor for torts, that he should get a doorbell camera. Cisco uh-huh. shows yeah. up at his doorstep saying he should oh, get a yeah. doorbell camera because you never know who's going to show up. That's I right. really think Mickey should take that advice too. Yes. Then there wouldn't have been all this mysteriousness around this. That is true. That is a good so, point. But when Mickey opens up the letter, he finds out that it was inside is a target letter addressed to Alex Grant. So, yeah. So mysterious. Mysterious. The night before the trial. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Did you you have the same? I don't know what song was playing while Mickey was pulling up through the neighborhood there. But there was, I don't know if if you noticed it, but the, the song was sounded like a bunch of squad cars kind of sitting on the street with uh like the their radio oh. their their comms on so it's kind of throwing me off i'm like well where are all these cop cars because i'm hearing this yeah like these voices and i'm like oh it's a part of the song i thought maybe it was oh. like mickey's radio or if uh-huh. it was off of, like i said a bunch of squad cars just around sure. having somebody pulled over so that kind of threw me off and that, until i realized it was only like my second or third time mm-hmm I think when I just brought it back, I'm like, is that just something that was thrown in there? But nope, just part of the song that was okay. playing over the whole I, dramatic start to the episode. I did not notice that, but now I want to go back and listen. So next morning, we get another visit from Legal Siegel, which is always fun. And Mickey's cooking up some good breakfast. 
he's pretty handy in the kitchen we're seeing this season yeah i don't really remember that from from last season i remember him having a lot of takeout you know bringing food home and so forth they're pulling stuff out of the fridge but yeah he was like a little short order cook there cooking up some eggs and maybe sausage and stuff um and take some breakfast out to legal seagull and he tells him about the the target letter and legal is surprised and uh why don't you talk about what he has to say about it mickey was telling legal that the target letter puts the email from mitchell bonder to alex grant in a whole new light because it looks like grant was up to something illegal the letter sent to Grant from Bondurant looks more like blackmail instead of a threat now. Judge Medina told Mickey to get more evidence because mm-hmm. the email sent to Grant from Bondurant wasn't enough on its own. And now he's now, got some that just yeah. landed in his lap. Yeah, it feels a little more relevant for sure. Exactly. Legal says that the target letter showing up on his doorstep the eve of trial could mean that either someone is trying to help Mickey or F with him. And he's mm-hmm. got to find out which one is which. And it's not much time. I mean, you have to start a trial coming up this morning. First way of doing that is to confirm that the letter is real or not. And we'll have to do it fast because Mickey should spring the target letter on the detective in charge of the case during cross-examination. But he's also, uh, legal is also worried that it might also put Mickey in harm's way because he's already been beaten up already this season too. So... So, but with this said, with this letter, it has to be authenticated or, you know, Mickey assumes that, you know, it's legit. It looks legit, certainly as far as I can tell, but they have to to try to make sure that it is. So he gets um, Cisco working on that. And that's kind of a a fun little side story where he is working with um, a woman from that works in the FBI office and trying to use her um, inside advantage to find out about the letter and authenticate it. And she is a concert goer and I guess a fan of heavy metal, 80s hair bands. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So. Sounds like it. <laughs> Some good, At least good... a fan of these three particular ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are the three? Is Poison, right? Def Leppard? Uh, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Poison. And Okay, there you go. This is totally my generation. Um, so he offers tickets, but she's like to, to help get information to confirm that this letter is legit. And she's like, oh, I already have tickets. So then he tries to lure her with backstage pass passes, but she wants mm-hmm. to see the passes up front. You know, she's very withholding as far as what she's going to help. Now, what's her name? I do not remember. I'm thinking Susan. But I don't... Donna was Donna. Donna. Okay. Yeah. Donna. But it's like it's it's weird because we didn't get any backstory from her. I mean, no, no, she just appears. Yeah, just kind of appears on her mobility scooter. And yeah, then it's like, and then you know, so it's like, it, I mean, there's some familiarity between the two characters because Cisco even mentions, you know, this right? Be like, they know I, each other. Yeah, they know each other, but we got no backstory on this character. So yeah, but yeah, I was like, did I miss something? Who who is yeah, this? You know, exactly. And so, but I feel like maybe she's likely to return because to have someone in your pocket, sort of at the um, FBI office, is a good thing. But she also mentioned that she's gonna later in the episode. I think she mentions that she's gonna be retiring soon. Yeah, five months of retirement, something like that. Yeah, so it would be fun to have her stick around, but it sounds like she might be retiring. So yeah, he's trying to get her to help with finding out if if the letter is legitimate. Meanwhile, the the trial is beginning and they're kind of sort of on pins and needles waiting to find out information from Cisco 
about this. So they have, do you want to jump to opening statements? Well, before I get to the opening statements, I do like to point out on the uh, on the trip to court, uh-huh. um, the first day of trial, the song that was playing, and uh, Izzy even mentioned who plays the song. The song was uh, playing was Miner's Holiday, perform- performed by Kenny Dorham, and it was recorded back in 1955. She mentioned the artist and the year. Yes. And Mickey was kind of surprised. He's like, oh, you've been learning, and she's like listening. Yeah. You know, so, and Mickey mentions that uh, Kenny was the one of the most underrated trumpet players of all time, and that Mickey's dad used to listen to it whenever he had a big case. Izzy says that it's probably a good thing to have an underdog mentality going into the trial, and then she also thanks Mickey for being so generous to let him keep let her keep the money that yeah. was given to Ray. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 from Henry Dahl. So I just wanted to br- bring up that uh, it's kind of fun. Or it's it's nice see, hearing or seeing some ties between Mickey and his dad. So it's like it is mm-hmm. Mickey Holler Senior listened to jazz every now and then. Mickey listens to it too. Mm-hmm. He, Mickey Holler Sr. listened to this song before a big trial, so Mickey is too. So it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to get that little tie-in. It is. To, to them. And also so, with Izzy, because it kind of like shows how their relationship has evolved. Like, he's influenced her, probably. I don't know if yeah. she listened to jazz before, but it sounds like maybe he's been an influence on her in that regard, um, too. Exactly. So jump, now we can jump to the opening statements, and it was kind of funny because... Judge Medina wanted to kind of rush things along, so she gave each side, you know, a 30-minute time limit for for opening statements. And then Andrea was kind of humming and hawing, looking at her stack <laughs> of files. Mickey picks up on it, and he's like, right away, I'll, I'll get mine done in 20 minutes. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. so Medina splits the, splits the difference and goes, well, 25 minutes for openers. Yeah. So per side. So Andrea grabs her phone. And sets the timer for 25 minutes. I don't know if it's uh, a character thing that she's just kind of trying to be as precise or make sure she doesn't go over right. time level. But we see her start when she starts or starts the timer for 25 minutes when she starts it up. Mm-hmm. So Andrea summarizes the evidence against Lisa, tells the Jersey, ah, Jersey, tells <laughs> the jury to trust the evidence. She yeah. warns the jury that, that the defense will try to paint a different picture and implore them not to be deceived. Smoke and mirrors was the term that she used. She also uses the whole 25 minutes allowed to her. And then one of the things I picked up during her opening opening statement is we can see some of the jurors kind of looking at Lisa and Lisa's picking up on it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, could that be a good or bad sign? I mean, right now it's only the prosecutors side of things so that's Mm -hmm. what they're doing at the moment so just curious if they're already judging her or maybe lisa's just afraid that she's already being judged yeah so yeah oh that's the uh other thing i wrote down is that i remember mickey telling trevor elliott you know that the jurors are always judging yeah i mean your your trial starts now the minute you get out of the out of the elevator to go into court because you're always under microscope at that point Mm-hmm. So and he mentions the gods of guilt in that conversation, doesn't he? With Trevor back in season yeah, one. So back it's kind in of season one when they're yeah. getting pink hot dogs. Yeah, yeah, pink hot dogs. Yeah. So we know right. now that because of the season three renewal announcement, you know, they mentioned that it will be based on the gods of guilt. So it's just funny that you brought that up because then I remember him saying that using that term with him. 
Yeah, that's why I, I know some fans were kind of like, oh, they 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 reused that phrase "gods of guilt" like three or four times in the first season, so they thought that would be the basis for a season two plot. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, but like a little. I was yeah. actually really happy with the fifth witness because it was one of my favorite Hollywood mm-hmm. novels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was reading them because, like I said, it was just a lot of twists and turns, and you never knew where it was going to come or come from. I should say. Already, yeah. so Mickey gets his chance and like i said andrea uses her old 25 minutes i mean she stops the timer right when it hits zero on her right phone. on the dot yeah so mickey kind of pops or no he doesn't pop up he kind of waits for a few seconds and then medina has to kind of prod him it's like you know it's your turn type of thing so he kind of gets up and puts on the mickey holler charm you know kind of starts it off with wow that was intense you know and then you know and what that made me think of too he did something like that last season too after um, the opening statement in the Trevor Elliott case, it's almost like he has this habit of trying to kind of not necessarily mock the prosecution's mm-hmm. opener, but like to he makes some comment about it, you know, and kind of like highlights something about it that he thinks is maybe a little outrageous, like it was really yeah. long or it was really intense, you know, and kind of yeah. like break like an icebreaker with an the icebreaker. Is a yeah. Good way to put it. yeah. Like I said, he just kind of turns on the charm. And, yes, he does. And then, uh, he talks about how the prosecutor was saying that Lisa has a temper and uh, Mickey, Mickey compares it or not compares it, but uh, talks about what TV chef, you know, doesn't have a temper. Right. You know, uh, Cause when you're in a kitchen and you're up against, you know, you got stressful moments, but uh, just because she has a temper, that doesn't mean she's a killer. Mm-hmm. Mickey highlights the fact that no murder weapon has been found. He kind of, I think he hammers that a couple few times. And that was kind of the same thing. With hey, the, did you hear what you just said? What's that? He hammers that a few times. Oh. Hammers. Uh-huh. <laughs> funny. <laughs> that was very funny. I was like, Actually, I was, I was going to try to save that pun for the end because that's where, you know. It comes I was up. like, did he know? Did you do that on purpose? I don't know. <laughs> No, actually, That's I, funny. Didn't have that. I didn't even have that in my notes. <laughs> it's perfection. I love oh, it. Oh, I think I misread it. I said highlights the fact that no murder weapon has been found. No, he but hammered I, it. You're right. He hammered it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he told the jury that Lisa has been framed. He also pushes things mm-hmm. to a point where Andrea objects not once, but twice during his opening statement. And when he went back afterwards, you know, I mean, because it was kind of like the interruption thing where he's kind of like playing towards the jury a little bit to the judge where the judge is like, you can see the judge not really happy that Andrea is objected once but twice during the opening statement. Yeah. So when Lorna, uh, when he gets back to the table, Lorna goes, says something about like when she was in class, she heard that it's really paint or the person that objects during an opening statement is caught in like a bad light or something like that or it's oh yeah okay frowned upon. and mickey mm-hmm. said well the, there's only something there's uh there's uh the only thing worse than doing it once is doing it twice which mickey was able to get andrea to do mm-hmm. so we get a little bit of the charm but then we get some of that those smoke and mirrors right off the bat yeah. that he was talking about or that andrea is warning about i should say right now after openers it kind of skips to that night, doesn't it? Because we get the openers and all of a sudden, because Cisco Cisco's up against a time clock. Right. So after openers, I believe it cuts to. No, I think it does because there's a break because he's still working on getting the, the backstage passes. And it's when they he's getting ready to cross-examine uh, Detective O'Brien that he's really yeah. jittery waiting for Cisco's um, information. 
So yeah, because it's like right. the next scene we see Mickey driving and talking to Izzy while heading up to Haley's riding lesson. That's what yeah, it is. yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of wrote in the question here: Did court wrap up after the opening statements? Yeah. Was it because did uh, court state start late or was it just, you know, because you had Medina wanting to rush things through the, the yeah. court, uh, kind of rush the opening statements because she wanted it in the in the honor of expedience or whatever. Is yeah. how she mm -hmm. All of a sudden it cuts to Mickey and Izzy talking when he's outside of court. So I was just kind of curious yeah. about why, why the short day. I mean, yeah. you had a, basically an hour for openers per side. Usually it gets right to the case, you know, the prosecutor yeah. calls the witness right off the bat. Right. So that's why I was kind of curious because of that whole time limit thing where we're up against the clock, you know, because Cisco's got to get these get backstage the, passes, target, get the backstage passes to find out if the target letter is authentic or not. Right. And then I guess the prosecutor and defense get, gets a half day to... Yeah, it was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I have to go back and look at that timeline. Yeah, it is hard. It's very hard sometimes, unless they you see what's happening at night, it is sometimes hard to tell if they mm -hmm. finish for the day. You know, because at lunchtime, or they finish for the day, and, you know, so... Yeah, because I think this was finished for the day because... Uh, yeah, I think so, talking too. about Mickey and ha Haley in the morning, we're talking about him picking her up at 6 right right so, yeah yeah it's kind of kind of kind of a weird timeline for this yeah. episode or maybe yeah. like i said maybe it just started later in the day where, mm -hmm. where they couldn't could get be. to a major witness right off the bat right so, could be yeah mm -hmm. so where do you want to go to next do we want to start the uh start the court proceedings or yeah i guess well, we kind of got a couple things going on at the same time you know it is yeah. the next day in the trial and they're calling O'Brien. So Andrea is going to, you know, she calls him as a, a witness for the prosecution. And then Mickey will get to cross-examine him. But at the same time, we have Cisco trying to, you know, get the package passes, get them to Donna and um, get her to to authenticate the letter or, you know, let him and know that it's for real. And then she's telling him she'll get back to him at lunch at noon, yes. you know, so it's, it's, we have all this going on at the same time. So, I mean, we basically kind of just said what's going on with with Cisco. Um, he's he's trying to get the the backstage passes, get them to Donna. She says, um, he, and he doesn't even give him to give them to her right until no, she. He says, he says yeah. he, he's going to wait until he gets the right. authentication before. Yeah, yeah, not so fast. I think he says, yeah. you know, not yeah. so fast. So. <laughs> yeah. So she says, well, noon at this Sheshwan place on Santa Monica. And um, so we know we have to wait until at least then to get any more information from her. Meanwhile, in the courtroom, yes, Andrea has called Detective yeah. O'Brien and they are going through the, um, I guess, the initial uh, interrogation of yep. Lisa going through the crime scene, you know, just going through all of the evidence as she has said that she is going to to share. Did you want to point anything out about her, her examination? Uh, yeah. Anything? Well, there's a couple of, couple of things that I wrote down was uh, the, um, I know she was trying to get Detective O'Brien to kind of step through the process and, and the fact that Lisa wasn't forthcoming coming initially about the crossing paths with Bondurant at the coffee shop. They say that the toolkit was missing a hammer and that they found a pair of gloves with Bondurant's blood on them in her shattered garage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, and then uh, Andrea brings out the, the, the coffee cup 
and the shard of glass found at the crime scene. Right. And then what I they even down, show the wound that was pretty gross. You know, yeah. they flash back to the crime scene like, oh gosh. So yeah, gotta throw or not keep keep the viewers on their toes a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I did notice was uh, when Andrea went to play the video of the interrogation of Lisa with Detective O'Brien. I love the camera shot that they did with it because they start off on on the TV screen, then it kind of does like a swooping pan number shows Mickey, mm-hmm. Lorna, and Lisa that at their table goes to Andrea where she's asking him, Detective O'Brien, more questions. I just I love the camera work that they do. Yeah, in, in these episodes, in these scenes, you can get uh, everybody's reaction to what's going on. Exactly. Even the even the jury too, because you kind, yeah. kind of do the whole swoop thing. Mm-hmm. Pans around. So I know yeah. they they they'd used it in season one as well. Mm-hmm. So then when it was, uh, I think that's where she kind of wraps it up with the video because she wanted Andrew wanted the the what's the word for it the hate or the anger that Lisa was right was wanted to wanted to leave him with that yeah yeah mm-hmm. they want she Andrew wanted to leave him with that so that's what the jury would think about upon the cross-examination right and so So, then it's again i don't remember exactly if they show cisco at the restaurant next or if they show mickey starting to cross-examine o'brien but again you've got a couple things happening at the same time Mm -hmm. which do you want to go to well let's start with the mickey one the cross-examination because i wanted to kind of pinpoint because or before starting that, I just want to say Cisco and Lorna are in communication by text message. Yeah. You know, because Lorna wants an update, needs an update. Yep. At one point, she, they, she says they're drowning. Because mm-hmm. uh, Mickey, during the cross-examination, Mickey is waiting word from Cisco about the target letter. So he starts by suggesting that the jury might need a rest, you know, take a little yeah. bit of early, yeah. early, early lunch. lunch. Yeah. It's too early. early. <laughs> Medina shot, shot that down too yeah. early. So instead Mickey decides to drag out the cross examination <laughs> of O'Brien yeah. about the evidence collection process yes. Yes. <laughs> for the gardening gloves. And it what was, was used? Yeah. What was used? I mean, How was, was it that? sealed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he drags it out as much as he can. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we can we uh because of that, I wrote down the time frame. So he started doing the cross examination at eleven fifty a.m. Okay. By the time Cisco, when they cut to him, when they when he finally, or when it's finally revealed of who's sitting next to to yeah. Cisco in the restaurant, it's a ele- it's a twelve twenty. So oh like, okay wow. <laughs> so uh so about twelve fifteen is when Cisco realizes that the guy sitting near him a couple seats down is Vasquez. Yeah, he says Don is not coming. <laughs> Don is not coming. Yeah, that's how he introduces himself. Don yeah. is not coming. <laughs> so so Cisco presents the letter to Vasquez and he was basically just saying I need I need to, I just need to know if this is real, if it's authentic. That's that's all I need. Yep. That's all I want. Um, it's all that needs to be done. Instead Vasquez says to Cisco that he cannot discuss any possible ongoing investigation. And so Cisco is left with sending Lorna a text that he still can't confirm or deny the authentication of the letter. Mm -hmm. And then Vasquez, before he leaves, you know, (laughs) I I believe you promised Donna backstage passes. So 
Yeah. Just go ahead. Just go ahead and fork that envelope over. But which like, is which is kind of funny. The feds, you know, following up on the bribe, basically. Yeah. Was it was funny because I just I just don't notice the timeline because, like I said, yeah. Mickey starts the cross examination at eleven fifty, doesn't get the letter confirmed until twelve twenty, so it's a half an hour that Mickey was dragging out. Yeah. This, this cross examination of just gardening gloves in the right right who carried the envelope you can just imagine all the different questions Mm -hmm. he probably would have had to come up with (laughs) well even medina was kind of like okay you know because i think andrea objected once or twice Mm -hmm. about like uh repetitiveness Mm -hmm. and so um he's like move it along i think or something it was just so funny how how he can try i mean there wasn't any other avenue that you could could have yeah. switched to first right I mean, it, was, it was just kind of funny to see it dragged out like that but at the same time we the viewers are are going okay is he gonna get this is he not you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny very much so funny so we learned that and then mickey learns it because he would he ask for um like a five minute break or something yes it would just funny because she's like as long as you're not studying the forensics manual because basically yeah. he was <laughs> she kind of gave him a jab there but yeah, they go out and and Lorna's like, well, how did she say it? Like a non-denial denial. <laughs> yeah. So basically, no. we don't know, but the FBI agent was talking about it. So that was enough for Mickey to, I guess, feel like, well, we just got to proceed. He sort of acknowledged it without confirming it. You yeah, know? exactly. So that's kind yeah, of how I think. Probably about- like one of those uh, close enough type yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. And what else could he do? You know, if he's going to run with this. That's that's the best information he's going to get. So, you know, Mickey now or never, and it's also a matter of uh, or not pissing Medina off anymore in right. the courtroom too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, Mickey decides to move forward, assuming the letter is legitimate, because and that's what what uh, Mickey had said in the hallway to Lorna. Andrea's killing them with just her first witness. Mm-hmm. And if he waits a few days to call O'Brien as a witness, the case could be dead by then. So, right. There's no time. Mm-hmm. So Mickey, when the court resumes, he uh, asks O'Brien to read from the threatening email that Bondurant had said sent to Alex Grant. O'Brien reads the part where Bondurant threatens to expose a suspicious activity. But O'Brien says there was no suspicious activity they were aware of. And that's the perfect opening for Mickey to bring out the letter. Absolutely. And then, of and- course... Go ahead. Andrea protests. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, yes. and and requests a sidebar, and then Medina's like, "Up oh, here we go." You know, right? Moves the microphone and and calls her up. Yep. So she wants to authenticate the letter, you know, through mm-hmm. her side, which is kind of I'm thinking, well, that's good if she can get it authenticated. Then we really do know for sure, you know. Yeah. Um, She'd probably have an easier job of getting yeah, authenticated uh, than Mickey did. Yeah, let her do the work. Let her office do the work. So, and she wants until the next day, but um, Medina, Judge Medina gives her um, until the end of the lunch hour, right? Yep, yep. So, anything we want to talk about during the lunch hour, or do we want to just move ahead? During the lunch hour. I think let's just jump ahead for what happened after lunch. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So court resumes after lunch and Andy reports that the letter is authentic. Detective O'Brien is back on the stand for Mickey to resume his questions. Mickey questions whether O'Brien still thinks he arrested the right person. O'Brien claims that he would have still arrested Lisa. 
He reminds Mickey that he did not have knowledge of the target letter at the time, but says if he had and stops, but then he restarts saying that he's still confident with their investigation. Mickey ends the cross-examination with the suggestion of doubt whether O'Brien arrested the correct person or not by saying, well, did you arrest the right person? Right. Yeah, that was a really good moment when he's like, did you? You mm-hmm. know, and, and leaves them with that doubt. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it's always good to plant the doubt in the jurors' minds. Yes. Yeah, Mickey's all about those moments. I mean, I'm sure the prosecution is too, but he definitely seems to play into those like the timing of the day the timing of those moments you know if you're leaving for the day or um yeah he's he's very aware of that so Mm -hmm. so yeah so we've got a dinner going on with mickey and Haley, and uh the subject of the writing comes up again because he had learned earlier in the day he when he um took her did is that when he saw her talking to a young man at the stables I think it was the day before. The day before, but yeah. I think so, when he picked her up from her riding lesson the night before. Because he, he talked to Izzy about why. it. Yeah, because he mentioned to Izzy that, uh, oh, I think I know why she doesn't want to move her riding lessons, because there's a cute boy here. Yeah, giving, yeah. Giving her a horseback riding lessons. And Izzy's advice is to, to um, like, not press it too much. Isn't that what she kind of said? Yeah, I think, I think that was true, because the... Um, I can't remember if she mentioned something about her past with. She did. She, she mentioned something. Yeah. Of course. I know Izzy was kind of hard on herself for earlier this season because of the whole Ray breakup thing. Right. Right. Remember at one point she said that she's not really one to give relationship advice. And then. Yeah. Mickey, Mickey kind of said the same thing. You know, it's like I'm on yeah. trial. For, the last person I had, a, I was involved in a relationship on trial for murder. For murder. <laughs> so I don't know. It's between uh, between all the characters, you got to wonder who's the best for giving relationship advice at this point. You know? And Lorna yeah. Lord, and Cisco, Lorna and Cisco are kind of like the ideal couple for giving giving relationship advice because every little speed bump they've hit this season, they've not only gotten right. over it, but they get. They take care of it right right away instead of letting it drag on for right. The- yeah, they don't really let things fester. That would be a really good discussion on its own. Is just who has the best relationship advice in the Lincoln Lawyer? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there there are some positives in you know each coupling or you know some it's not all romantic couples. Sometimes it's just you know father daughter whatever. But yeah, it's uh that that would be a good good discussion. Mm-hmm. Because I know that uh, during their conversation, Mickey and Haley's conversation, um, she had even mentioned, I remember you saying earlier that uh, that Mickey's kind of gotten more comfortable in his kitchen to cooking his own food because yeah. mm-hmm. Haley give, gives them kudos for cooking dinner that yeah. night because mm-hmm. he said he made the fries in the air fryer. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, look at you, you know, type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, Mickey brings up uh, what the boy's name is or asks Taylor. what the boy's yeah. name is. Taylor and she goes and uh the one of the, not- my favorite parts of the conversation was when Haley brings up that mom would be even worse about this kind of a conversation yeah and, and Mickey mentions that she kind of leads with her head but they yeah and Mickey lead with their hearts yeah that is good so I really I really like that conversation with her and with him and Haley that is a good conversation right. I had, to laugh, kinda, I had to laugh kind of I had to laugh kind of too though because he's not very subtle. He's like, oh, so this is a boy you have a crush on. 
Yeah. And she's just like, oh, dad, you know, so he kind of, he kind of breaks that ice really quickly and gets mm-hmm. that out on the line. But then they do, they have a really nice talk about kind of how they, um, like you said, lead with their heart and her, her yep. mom leads with her head. That that was a good, a good talk. But yeah, I liked Haley's response. She's like, you know, I don't have time for all that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. She got school and I think studying for SATs or something. I think she yeah, yeah, like lots so, going on. So so too much to do. But she, uh, but Mickey should probably be worried about Taylor getting his heart broken. Instead. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> watch out for him. Exactly. So, that was cool because she could, you know, she didn't deny that, you know, she had a little interest in him, but it wasn't going to keep her from all the other things she needed to do. So exactly, that was, that was good. So, but yeah, then he gets is that, that probably during that. Maybe was it during that dinner that he gets a call from Lorna? Yep. After the dinner, Lorna gets a uh, hold of. It's kind of funny how the phone calls time out exactly <laughs> after a conversation's done. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that night when uh, after or as Haley and Mickey were having dinner, Lorna calls up and tells Mickey that Andrea made a change to her witness list and she's added. FBI agent Felix Vasquez as mm-hmm. the author of the target letter as a witness to be called the next day. Yeah. So they got to prepare for that. And so, of course, Andrea gets him first and uh, she walks him through the letter. What does it mean? What does it entail? Um, she wants to know, does it mean that they are under investigation? And he says, no. Not technically, but Andy's mm-hmm. quick to say, no, I just want a yes or no. Like, let's not muddy yep. the waters. Yes or no. And Vasquez says no. But then Mickey is going to, you know, really take advantage of that little slip. I, I would call yep. it the, the not technically piece. And uh, Vasquez testifies that he cannot comment on an ongoing investigation. Um, so Mickey, that's what he wanted to hear you know, yep. ongoing investigation, which is interesting. If you look back at all the discussion about this letter, uh, when you were talking about Cisco and Vasquez and the restaurant, he, what does he say? A possible ongoing investigation, right? Yeah. I cannot comment on a possible, but then, you yeah. know, when he's in court under oath, he, he slips the not technically, but then he does um, use the phrase. He doesn't say possible. He says an ongoing investigation. So that's, that's perfect for what, Mickey wanted and he talks that night he talks to legal about it I think over dinner or drinks and we get to kind of go through the the background of how Mickey's been sort of manipulating this process all along yep, exactly and something I picked up on on the examination with Vasquez and Andrea was when he says not technically I think he look I think I catch him looking over at the defense table. I think so too. Uh, yeah, like, I picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> listen to this part right yeah, here. Yeah, I'm dropping. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a major bomb here, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the, uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a, a slip. I mean, like, actually, you know, when we, when we end up seeing what happened. So, not only does Mickey have a plan, but I think Vasquez kind of planned yes. that, you know, looking over type of I thing. I think you're right. I think you're right. And, when Mickey gets up to to do the cross examination, I written down that you know the first question that he had was, for that Mickey had of Vasquez was if if there was more to the story, mm-hmm. and Vasquez says that Grant may not be currently under investigation, but that doesn't mean he is in the clear. Right. 
Well, the second question was, is does the FBI typically send target letters to innocent people? <laughs> no. And that answer was no. <laughs> and then uh, Mickey asks, because it was kind of like a back and forth between Mickey and Andrea during the mm-hmm. cross-examination. So he gets those two questions out. Those yeah. are smooth sailing. The next two questions are both objected to because one be due to speculation. The other one, there was no reason. Or there, uh, she didn't get a chance to say what the objection uh, objection was for. But because Mickey asked the question, if Vasquez thinks if Grant was guilty of something, and mm-hmm. that was what the speculation objection would have been. And the other one was if Bondurant were to be alive, would he mm-hmm. be somebody that Vasquez could be interested in talking to? And I, I know it was objected to, but like I said, there was no reason. It wasn't speculation. It wasn't because the person's dead. Maybe it's a speculation again, but maybe, maybe. So Mickey had to switch it up for a third time to try to get the question across. And when he asks if the FBI attended to open an investigation to Grant, Andrea tries to object for a third time, but now Medina is interested. Yes, so Medina's yes. Like, Medina's yeah. like overruled. Uh, she wants to hear the question, and he that's where he drops the line. He cannot answer any questions that might compromise an ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. And then Mickey was happy with the word ongoing, so he repeated it. Ongoing. Okay, no further questions for this. Yeah. Witness. Yep. So it was kind of like, like I said, it was kind of like almost like watching a tennis match between Andrea and Mickey. Yeah. Where it was like, he gets the first two questions in there, nice and smooth. The next two, Andrea objects to. The next two, even Medina wants to know the answers to. Right. So, so yeah, that uh, that conversation that night you said that uh Lego was kind of impressed yeah with how he kind of handled it and then when we have after court the just so happened to be in the bathroom at the same time Vasquez right. and Mickey yeah we see yeah talking mm-hmm yeah as I guess as he's talking to legal we flash back to that right I think is that what happens I okay. think so That's like kind of like we're kind of seeing it through Mickey's eyes as he's talking to legal about what happened um, That's right. That's so we right. we see then we kind of flash back of this exchange of them in the men's room and they acknowledge, you know, they they recognize each other, who they are, you know, they and then Agent Vasquez is, you know, complimentary, you know. Mm-hmm. And he says that the what does he say the FBI looks forward to seeing what he can uncover on the stand. Yeah, yep. it's almost it's yes. basically saying, "Oh, we look forward to you doing some of our work for us." Exactly. <laughs> you know? And but the um, biggest, but the, the biggest, biggest yeah, reveal, go ahead. Yep, the reveal. You sure? Okay. Yeah. The biggest reveal is that Vasquez is wearing that watch. That, that watch. Yeah. The person wearing it at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He's like wiping his hands on the towel or something. You get this great shot of his wrist. And you, saw, yep. you said the watch with the green face. And it's like, aha, he planted this all along. This was him. So that is a good reveal. I like that one. So you wanted to, uh, do you want to mention that legal is wowed by the reveal? I think you already did that though. Well, yeah, he just, he, he, he wants to know, did he just get lucky? You know? Yes. And then. Um, oh, that's right. Mickey reminds, reminds legal of why he brought the press to the. Yeah. To Grant's motion to quash. Right. Because he was hoping. Yeah. He reveals that he was hoping the FBI would, would uh, catch wind of it or see yeah. it. Yeah. And then there was that it would attract uh, their attention with all the press there that it would somehow get on the radar of the FBI. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I like how they kind of 
how they kind of ended the conversation when legal asked what Mickey wants and Mickey says, not to worry. He has a plan of getting what he wants. I'm like, yeah, it's like, Ooh, there's more to the plan. There's more. I know it's it, this, this whole season has been very, a, a lot of, I don't want to say the long con, but it's mm-hmm. the only thing I can really think of is this, it's this long plan with pieces that we see coming together in each episode. And and then he will have that exchange with legal, which kind of reminds us how he put it together or explains how he put it together. You know, sometimes he does, he did that with Lorna last episode, you know, how they were planning out some things. So I love those discussions that kind of really solidify for us. What was the plan all along? along. Yeah. It really, really drives the, the point home and the and the, what's going on you know I want to talk about the izzy situation do we want to switch we gears to izzy? sure we can switch gears to izzy yeah because we definitely want to cover okay. that because that was a that was a major blow you know yeah in the episode is that izzy takes her two twenty thousand dollar rent deposit to get the space for the dance studio and she is devastated when the landlord tells her that the rent had suddenly increased to $15,000 a month. Mm-hmm. So she would need a check for $30,000 and within a week. Yeah. He says that she could barely cover the $10,000 a month. Right. It would, it would, uh, the original, right. uh, agreed upon amount. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, Carlos was the property manager. Yeah. You know, she, she just tried without, screaming no you know she didn't flip out or anything no but it's like she's in disbelief basically she's in disbelief she doesn't even need to yell she's just like what what happened and what i what i I had written down the first time i wrote this was the uh property manager saying that he has to adjust adjust to market conditions yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i'm like i kind of wrote down a question to myself is it really because of market conditions right yeah i don't think any of us bought that you know that that it was market conditions yeah definitely and i was devastated for izzy because i mean you saw the i mean how crushed she was when when carlos i i I don't know if carlos walked away or whatever or walked out and you could see Izzy kind of looking around the space yeah. like, oh, great. I had it for a moment. Like you almost touch it. Yeah. My dream. Yeah. And then it just slipped away so fast. Exactly. Well, I thought that was a, a, a pretty cool reveal. You know, like we talked about in the men's room, the watch, it was Vasquez yes. all along. They're kind of, you know, manipulating the situation, setting up Mickey to to uh, do part of their work for them. It's It's to their benefit to get Alex Grant on the stand, too. But that was a, a sort of a big reveal but there's a bigger one at the end of course <laughs> why don't you uh finish us out with that reveal finish it out okay so mickey gets off the elevator in the morning and lorna's right there right by the elevator waiting for him she says she tells uh mickey that they're they've been called to chambers because andrew freeman called for a special session or what is it called just called i uh, requested a, a conference in the judges chambers okay so once then everybody gets in the chambers andrew freeman announced that some new evidence has just been uncovered and it's so dispositive and i had to look up the word dispositive <laughs> me too <laughs> like, what does that mean so uh, we'll get to the meaning later but uh, yeah the uh she, she says that the court could not refuse to admit it 
um yeah they have the uh the the murder weapon that detective o'brien brings into the judge's chambers in an ev- evidence envelope and pulls out a plastic evidence envelope revealing the the murder weapon being a hammer so hammer literally, literally the hammer has just been dropped on mickey Holland. <laughs> Now that, not dropped on him, but you know, yeah, <laughs> that pun was planned. I yes, that that was a planned pun. <laughs> but I always like puns. But yes, there she she's. I I love how too how she says the murder weapon. Is I yes. just always cracks me up. <laughs> so, but it was also a little bit of a back and forth between Andrea and Mickey, where Mickey was kind of like saying, "Are you kidding me?" And Andrea's yeah. like, "If I was in his shoes, I'd feel the same way." So, and was that truthful or not? Who knows? Right. But to go back to the dispositive yes. meaning. So I had to look it up because I, I was just curious. I like legal mm-hmm. legalese terms and stuff. But uh, yeah. the meaning says relating to or bringing about the settlement of an issue or the disposition of property. Okay. So still kind of legalese where it's like you might have to look up some of the bigger words there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I looked it up or... It, saw something like almost like it's too incriminating or, or something like that too that, incriminating to, to yeah, not have the to court, not yeah but to um, not have the court to refer could not refuse by the court yeah yeah to not be aware of it so, so yes that was an even bigger reveal yes so reveal after reveal i'm trying to think back too did we talk about uh, mickey's stop at henry's apartment he's getting in his car no we forgot to reveal that portion didn't we well, I did make a note. What he discusses with Henry is, is basically, you know, we, we talked about how he's got Henry under his thumb now yep. because of the, you know, stealing the file and so forth. And he's basically using Henry as um, a voice over to Alex mm-hmm. Grant's side to be like, you know, yeah, tell him there's nothing feeding to worry about. Yeah, feeding information. And he wants him to basically encourage them or confirm for them that there's nothing to be worried about yeah Which, you know it's not true but not true we know it's not true yeah. even henry Dahl knows it's not true. <laughs> yeah but that's I what i'm saying at one point it's like i uh, think what he's how do you phrase it? you you don't think they have somebody watching you you know right. type of thing so yeah <laughs> but that's what you're gonna say henry that's the story and you're sticking to it and what does he do he he like henry turns away and like mickey sort of grabs him at the chest almost to like mm-hmm. reiterate it or something i can't remember exactly what he said or turn him but, around a little bit so yeah like face. like yep. to let him know this is serious you uh, you you report to me now basically exactly it's kind of like who, who's I boss own you now yeah i own you <laughs> so that that was interesting and what was also funny was wasn't he kind of like calling him out on his apartment like he has the nice car Yep. but he doesn't, doesn't necessarily. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Or they got some. It's not. A, it's not a matter of what you where you live, but what you drive type. Of yeah, thing. More of people thing. probably see you driving around LA than where you live in LA. Right, but which is which is really funny though is that no matter what you know the status of that apartment is, I'm sure it's outrageously expensive. Because oh, absolutely. <laughs> property, <laughs> any kind of you know living situation there is super expensive. But I digress. But yeah, so we want to make sure we we mention that too. That Mickey has has Henry under his thumb. So, mm-hmm. uh, just as a quick wrap up question for the yeah. episode, did, yeah, did you see the hammer being 
introduced at the end of this episode or i, d- I that didn't kind of you off guard? that caught no. me off guard yeah and again i don't i um i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast before but i did not revisit the book before watching um the season so i don't have a strong recollection so i wouldn't couldn't even tell you if what that was or if it happened in the book so but no so it, it caught me it caught me off guard it was a good one because i mean i just felt like he had such a win there you know yep. with that that last cross-examination with with vasquez and so forth i was like wow success for mickey going out on a win and then they just flipped the switch on you absolutely so, <laughs> but yeah i was gonna say i don't have a game tonight but i did a little bit of trivia a couple of things to to think about you're a very avid watcher and you like trivia and you have a good memory of things so just gonna just sort of throw a few questions out at you what were the four things that legal seagull tells mickey that he cannot have that he can't can't tell his doctor about his breakfast that he's having because he's not supposed to have four things oh. <laughs> yes, it was uh, no salt, no cholesterol, no carbs, no fun. The joy, but yes, basically no the joy. same thing. Yeah, <laughs> basically the same thing. You got the idea. Yeah, that yeah. was that was funny. Okay, now when they're talking about the gloves, we talked about this a lot in our discussion. How Mickey tries to drag out the conversation and with Detective O'Brien about you know how did you seal the envelope? Who cares? You know all these details because he's trying to buy time to hear from Cisco. He used a phrase that was also used in season one of Michael Conley's Bosch Legacy series. What was that phrase? He says he's so, trying to confirm or authenticate the validity. No. Well, it was something okay. So it's passing hands. Right. The evidence is passing from, you know. Oh, chain of custody. There you go. I knew you'd know. All right. Okay. And then our FBI agent in this episode. His name, how does his name relate to the Bosch Legacy series? What can you tie in there? Well, you got uh, you got uh, the Maddie's training officer with the last name Vasquez. As Vasquez, well. both last name Vasquez. Yes, yes, very good. So just wanted to pull a couple of those little things out there, and I knew you would know what nice. they were. I, I, so You want to do a little trivia for you? Or? Sure, but I want to ask. I want to ask you first. Do you pick up on yep. things like that when, because you're such a fan of both series, when you hear a topic or a phrase or something in one series, do you do you like sort of sometimes? Think, yes, yeah, yeah. In season one, Detective Langford referred to Griggs as a uh, like a dog with a bone. Yep, yep, so yep. Thing with like Bosch, you know. So I Here's picked up on that the first time. So sometimes it'll click. Sometimes it won't click until the second or third watch through where it's like, oh, I can't believe I didn't pick that up the first time. Right. And so, then I thought, too, when I was watching season one of The Lincoln Lawyer and the first season of Bosch Legacy, Bosch Legacy started a little couple of weeks sooner, but the Russian Bratva was in there. You know, this, this, what is the word? Organized crime family. Organized crime. Yes. Yep. So organized crime. And then in The Lincoln Lawyer, they kind of brought up a similar theme with Trevor Elliott trying to say that there was an organized crime group through his roommate. Remember his roommate's dad or something, some kind of connection there. I was like, Oh, similar themes. You know, I'm always like sort of just in my brain pulling out things that are similar between the two, even though different networks, but same source material. So same source material. So I was just wondering if you were, were that same way. 
But yes, hit me up with some trivia and then we'll um, sign off and let you guys listen to what Ted has to say about the episode. Yes. Go ahead. I'd like to hear that. So my trivia question for you, I just got the one. Oh boy. I didn't prepare for it, but what kind of burgers were Mickey and Haley eating for dinner that night? Bison. Yes. Yes, bison. Yeah. And I remember that Haley was glad it was not ostrich. Yep, too cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that so, could have been a tri- trivia question too. Why yeah. was she happy it wasn't ostrich uh, ostrich meat in the beak? Because they're too right, cute. They're too cute. Yep. You threw out a lot of details in one section we were talking about tonight that I was like, he's just throwing out some trivia answers. People better listen. So I can't yeah. remember what it was, but listen there was something. To, listen to the podcast because so, every now and then I I have done my most of the deep dive trivia questions for season two. I just have the last okay. episode to cover. So uh, when I've been kind of going through the trivia or I, I'll go through the, some of the trivia questions to make sure that some of them kind of get hinted in these podcasts a little mm-hmm. bit. So listen to the podcast and eventually there might be a question involved with the trivia coming out sooner or later. Very cool. I'm hoping I keep saying, I think I say this in every podcast, but I, mm-hmm. I always say soon, but I just want to make sure I get everything kind of prepared. So I got, I have a trivia question, an answer, and a little bit of a behind the scene tidbit thing for people to kind of yeah, kind of enjoy. Cause I kind of do that with the, I do that with the Bosch trivia yeah. as well. So I yeah. kind of want to make it kind of that makes it. all the same. Yeah, it makes it extra fun. I like that. Exactly. So everybody gets a little bit of tidbits behind the scenes or what, uh, like what actor was in it, was in these other movies. Mm-hmm. Right, so. right. Little tie-ins. And uh, keep in mind too, folks, if you have questions about the episodes that we didn't talk to Ted about, as you listen to those interviews or Daylin for episodes one through five, send those to us at not guilty at so many shows.com not guilty spelled out not guilty at so many shows.com because maybe we can um, go back and ask some additional questions because i try to pull out some things to ask them about the different episodes as as we go through but i remember at the end of last season i just wanted some more clarification on some of the stuff with um what's his name the murder at the beginning vince what's his name Oh, uh, tre- uh, Vincent. Oh, no, sorry. I'm drawing a blank. Maybe it's not Vincent. <laughs> Anyways, uh-huh. I came up with additional questions, more clarification I wanted because I was seeing some questions out on social media. So I did another post, um, asked some questions of, of Ted. Um, he was the only showrunner at that time and uh, got some clarification and, and put an article out there. So if there's things that, you know, that you still want answers to don't hesitate to let us know and we'll see what we can do to try to get those answers and jerry vincent I forgot. jerry vincent jerry. vincent was the last jerry. name vincent vincent. Was the last. i know okay <laughs> it always throws us off because you, you think vincent's a first name so it kind of throws everybody off a well bit. and and i'm thinking bosh vincent franzen exactly see i just you know my mind gets so confused so join the club actually i think we're already in the club i mean we've been I in the club yeah <laughs> it's a lot of detail people it's a lot of detail so all right well i think that's it for us tonight uh we'll be back to talk about episode eight stay tuned for the conversation with ted and thanks for listening thanks everybody good night bye good night
So moving on a little bit to episode seven, Fibono, you know, they're trying to authenticate this letter that he's found at his doorstep right before the trial. So when we have Cisco trying to, to work on that uh, through this woman, Donna, who works at the FBI, you know, there's this, she, she's trying to exchange these tickets to the Def Leppard, Motley Crue and Poison concert. Um, did the writer of this episode select that those bands? I don't remember. I kind of okay. think yes, but I don't remember, to okay. be honest. Okay. <laughs> but Tell- I, that's right? Yes, that sounds right. Okay, <laughs> probably. Tell me, which theater were they in when he's talking like to the roadie and setting up for the concerts? It's in downtown LA. Is that the Belasco or is it the Orpheum? Uh, I could find out. Yeah, okay. I looked through some pictures because at first I wanted to think it was the Pantages because I'd been there, but no, it clearly was not. I was in in downtown LA and it was not a, I I feel like it was not a theater I've been to. It was was a theater that was, you know, available to shoot in it when we needed it. Okay, yeah. Cool. Um, But I, I can, I will find out for you. Okay, okay. Very cool. Very cool. I think I looked at some photos Maybe of the Orpheum. That one's kind of ringing a bell. So, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what your confirmation provides. Okay, talk to me a little bit about this juror, Gary Furlong. You know, it, it's not a, a, a huge part of the episode, but just to... the Orpheum, yes. Oh, it was Orpheum. Okay, there yeah. we go. We got it. Yeah, yes, it was the Orpheum. Now, legally, and Cisco would not be able to get Gary Furlong's name. Just looking back to last season, all that we learned about a jury, the they... You know, he's done something, some of his Cisco magic, right? They wouldn't, like, they think they have this guy sort of in their pocket and one of their jurors, but they would, they really should not know his name. Is that correct? No, there was something in season one, if I'm not mistaken, where the jurors were anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, forgive me because I'm, you're catching me like, I uh, 8 p.m. last night and right, and right. I don't remember what that is, but there was something in season one where, because of the high profile nature of the case, the jurors were anonymous. But oh, normally, okay. normally they are not anonymous, and okay. you can so uh, you would you would I mean they might be they're anonymous at the time of of voir dire, the time of jury mm-hmm. selection. They're not yeah. really not get into the jury itself. Okay. Okay. That's really good to know. That's, that's helpful. Cause I just, that just, I wondered about that. So that's, that's really helpful. Talk to me a little bit about Yaya DaCosta's performance. I mean, she, you know, I talked with Dalen a little bit about this too, with what we had seen so far in, in the first five episodes, she plays it so well. And I would kind of call it this, not necessarily smug, but elitist is not the right word, but it's just almost like that, the kid in school that always does well that wins all the awards you know is just always on top of their game or something did she did she have any choice in how she was going to play the strength of this prosecutor or was she given a lot of direction on sort of what sort of personality to portray in the courtroom oh no she had uh you know a ton of i mean look one of my favorite parts of the process is always collaborating with the cast yeah and the talent that they bring you know to interpret and elevate what's on the page and work with each other and the the directors of the episodes to craft these performances. Right. Mm-hmm. So character, you know, that, that performance of that character is entirely her doing. Okay. And, you know, of course we gave her, I mean, there's first of all direction on the page in terms of right. her character. And then secondly, yes, some direction that she'll be given 
by the director or from Dalen or I, you know, in talking with her about the character or something. But generally, it's, it, it's you know, and every actor is different in terms of how much some actors are really research focused. And if they're going to play uh, Manuel is a little like this, you know, that, okay. that he was going to play a criminal defense lawyer. And that's not something he's really accustomed to. He did a lot of research and he went to court and watched lawyers and, you know, uh, really tries to inhabit the, you know, get inside the head of how does a person like that think, you know, mm-hmm. can't speak entirely to Yaya's process on that, but okay. certain strength of the character and just the little flourishes. I'm, you know, it's a really great, uh, she, first of all, she's lovely to work with, lovely person, very mm-hmm. talented, um, but but was really fun to watch her kind of develop this this performance in this character. Yeah, it was just so much more, and I mean, it, it is with acting, you're acting, it's the whole body and everything, but sort of the eye rolls and the side glances and everything. You just felt it so much, even when it yeah. was her, whether, whether it was her frustration or her sort of gravitas that she was displaying. But Dalen and I talked about this a little bit in our discussion too. And cause my son, when we were watching together, he's like, you know, he's like, I have no idea if she did it or not, but I just want that prosecutor to lose. <laughs> you know, it was, it was funny how it became less about at least cause she just showed so much strength and, uh, I mean, just just the way she played it. So I thought that was pretty funny. You know, we have plans for that character in the future as well. Oh, nice! A lot of fun to work. The character's great. It's been a lot of fun to work with her. So yeah, that's really good to hear. Well, I was going to say, in contrast to looking ahead to to a conversation she has later with Mickey towards the end of the episode, it does highlight that the way these folks are in the courtroom very much can be a performance. That it's not their whole personality. You know, she talks to him differently. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So later on. So that that was I, I'm glad you guys showed that, too. That was good. There's a very performative aspect to, to Corey Long. And yeah. Um, yeah. OK. OK. Great. 